Welcome to Regenerative Rising's Elevating Stories, Activating Change. I'm your host, Celine Diaris, Executive Director and Founder of Regenerative Rising. And with me today is a very special guest, Nisha Mary Pelos, who formerly served as our Executive Director and a host of this podcast and is the founder and technical lead of uh, Woven Design Collaborative. Based, She's based in Goa, India. She grew up in Kerala, India, and has always been guided by her love of nature. She has her degree in architecture from Chennai, the university in Chennai, India. She has two masters, a master's in international cooperation and urban development, from the Technical University of uh, Darmstadt, Germany, and a Urban Habitat and Planning Master's from the University of Pierre Mendes in Grenoble, France. Nisha, thank you for joining me today in a what I hope will be an interesting conversation between us. We have had many interesting conversations over the years and have sort of giggled along the way. Wow, if we just recorded that, how interesting would that have been? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's interesting to be uh, be a guest. I just saw <laughs> it's also, because it, it's been uh, a very powerful journey. And uh, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's the first month of the new year. And uh, I'm excited to see uh, where both both our paths are leading to and how this conversation um, sort of reflects that. Thank you. Well, I appreciate the willingness and I have listened to many of your podcasts now and they are beautiful and, and you do a wonderful, wonderful job as a host. So I hope I will do justice to this, the seat I am sitting in today in our conversation so I think what I'm wanting, I think what folks might find interesting is the evolution of where things are at this moment in your journey. And I also want us to touch on some of the context of how you and I came to know each other and the, the sort of unfolding of your relationship to regenerative rising. But I think of more important in the here and now is to speak about the here and now and to have an understanding of what what is attaching your genius right this moment or attracting your genius at this moment um thank you for that uh, it's it sounds so profound when you when you phrase it like that well actually i'm i mean i'm focusing a lot more on um the sort of the place that i am uh currently at and sort of um focusing my attention on um the aspects that that are uh, affecting this place uh, both positively and negatively so i use um before i joined regenerative rising i was um working as a strategic planner with a whole systems perspective to solve um, these issues that we're faced with as a modern society, which really is honestly the way, uh, the, the, the kind of development that we're seeing is very harmful to nature in most ways. So as a planner, I've always been working towards how can we find um, a more balanced, harmonious pathway? How can we work with nature to create a better quality of life for ourselves? And that today really, really means um, restoring our natural habitat because we can no more, um, there's the baseline has uh, is different now and therefore we can't just rely on nature to just um, heal itself because we've caused so much harm. So Right now, I'm really focusing on developing processes and programs that would really create a culture of stewardship in the place. And how can people really work in different ways with their individual genius towards towards stewarding whichever aspect of the system, not just the natural system, but also the human system, because we're also living in a time when there's an active breakdown of humanity and community. Um, and so we need to heal our human community itself. So, yeah, so that's sort of what I'm really focusing my attention on. And then, um, of course, 
I'm really, really deeply drawn by the idea of bioregionalism because it really deals with how human beings see territory um, and how human beings naturally form territories and how that can come to our, in a, in a very positive way, affect the way we live. I want to touch on two terms you used and first acknowledge that what you're speaking to is so fundamentally regenerative because regenerative is a place sourced perspective. So you pay attention to literally where you are and what are the needs of that ecosystem in order to really heal and then thrive. So I, I know we've spoken about some of the things happening in Goa. Can you share a little bit about, you know, sort of where the stress points are and then how you are seeing opportunities to evolve a new story around what's possible in place? Ah, well, the, the simple answer for that is how to the first question of like, what are the stress points? I think what is fundamentally changed is how we perceive what is developed, what is rich, um, how how is wealth perceived and also displayed. And it really just means controlling nature today. When we look at infrastructure or a city which is developed, a city which is rich, it really just translates in the mainstream imagination as to something that is literally covered in concrete um, where there are just, there are gardens and controlled landscapes, but there's no wilderness. And um, so here in Goa, Goa about, it's, it's, it's a small state in the Southwestern coast of India, well, Western coast of India. And it's really, it has, a, it's a place of international repute because it was part of the hippie trail. Um, back in the 70s, which meant it attracted a lot of people who um, were actually seeking peace more than anything else. Um, and that's what brought people here. And a lot of those people who came in the 70s as, um, you know, in early 20s are now much older and they still live here. Mm. But what has changed post-COVID especially is that it's become a place for, um, you know, second homes and for uh, uh, people from other parts of the country to come and uh, resettle here because other parts of the country have become so unlivable. Our cities have become so unlivable that people are escaping and coming here. Um, mm. Delhi, for example, has such terrible air quality that people can't breathe anymore and they come here uh, for respite. And it has both positives and negatives because it brings it suddenly become a very uh, multicultural place from an Indian perspective as well. But it also came with these urban aspirations. And we are, it's from day to day, we're seeing forests disappear, uh, like bull, bulldozers rolling in and just leveling out the land and building um, homes for people. And while homes are a necessity, yes, and people move in, they do need homes. And there's so much abundance here, so it can support more people. But the problem is that we're not being regenerative in how the design or the strategy of how the place is developed. And that is the is, is actually a mental shift that we need. And that's uh, that's the biggest problem, that people can't tolerate nature. Um, and at the end of the day, they don't want a snake to be able to come anywhere near there. And then you realize that not, not every snake is out to like kill you. But they also are <laughs> so important because they control rats and they can... And they control, you know, other pests. So, so yeah. this has now created this ripple effect of of disappearing biodiversity. Um, so that's the biggest stress point. Um, and the 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 biggest solution, of course, is to create a mind mindset shift. Because yes, where uh, any place that has so much biodiversity has the capacity to host many human beings. Um, but how can each and every person, each and every human being living or interacting with that land actively steward it and regenerate it with every passing day? And the other interesting thing which I observe is this, which is I would almost call it like an epidemic of searching mm -hmm. for meaning that today we're seeing in the world. Like as people make a lot of money, they are letting go of their corporate jobs and they come 
uh, to, to, to places like Goa and many places in the world like this, searching for meaning, searching for healing and nothing like stewardship and working with nature to create that healing. So um, at this point, I'm really in a very research and observation phase where I'm trying to see, can we use all the people want to come and live here? Nature requires stewarding and stewarding and and intentional interactions with nature are very healing and very powerful. So can this all become a very positive nexus? And when in such an international place, because people come from, from here and go to all other parts of the country and all other parts of the world, and then it's a great hub to seed something because it then goes to the to the whole world and as a mindset, as an attitude. Mm. Powerful. Thank you for that response. That was really thorough and helpful because as I'm listening to you, you know, I can't help but a part of me always imagines the true potentiality of humanity to awake to this shift of perspective. It's literally just sitting right next door to the way we've been entrained to think and behave. Yet right next to that is this opening to a way of perceiving that is more life-affirming, more friendly, more in encompassing of the well-being of more than just oneself, but the well-being of where you find yourself. And I think, you know, I always have hope and faith, actually, in humanity to be able to make this step into a new perspective of, of witnessing the world around them as, as sacred, as precious, as um, something that we should be stewarding, something that we should be in relationship to as we are to a beloved, to a very dear friend, because it is so inherently necessary for our well-being, for us to thrive, the world around us must thrive. And we tend to get so encapsulated in our little boxes of reality, in the safety of our own experience, in the control that we want to exercise over the uh, containers we occupy, the circumstances that we have. I mean, we have a real need. It's false because it's it's sort of playing against the reality of a perpetually evolving, changing living world. But yet, we have become almost addicted to control. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, I think this is a topic we've spoken about many times in different, from different <laughs> perspectives um, as part of Regenerative Rising's uh, processes and goals and mission as well, that it's, it's really in the mind, the fact that there is this illusion that has been created that says that we just need to, we don't have enough and then we need to destroy everything and extract everything because these are the resources we need to extract all of it and then we still don't have enough. And <laughs> it's, a, it's a mindset that's driven by fear, by lack. Um, and the it's unsurprisingly, it's manifesting the same. So the more people become um, sort of retreat into their own sort of uh, well-being by by creating an imbalance of the other well-being um, and other being other human beings, other systems, other creatures, um, other networks. But if we have to understand that our well-being depends on all other beings um, taken care of, uh, then. And then that really, I mean, I, I read something, uh, say, some random post which said, uh, follow the relentless pursuit of freedom and not money. And then what that stood out to me is freedom means a lot of things. Freedom is the ability for a child to play in the neighborhood. Freedom is the ability to breathe clean air. Freedom is the ability to have a shower and not count the drops. Um, and mm. and that freedom is what we're losing day to day when we're living in fear. There's more and more we're feeling like every we start with snakes and and wolves being our enemies and then you go on to like each other all people everybody who's slightly different being an enemy and then finally everybody who's not you is an enemy so 
how do mm. we shift that because if we're taking care of all then then it then it becomes a a very beautiful complex network of of uh, of elements and entities taking care of each other which is what nature is uh, 100% and, and that's the mindset shift that even as regenerative rising we were really trying to ignite and uh uh sort of propagate and seed and that that is the raison d'etre of the organization is to help steward experiences and learning experiences that activate this remembrance because i would contend we all carry this inside us on some level it may be buried really deep and it may never have ever had the light of day shine upon it but i do trust that the the we are all part of this living planet. We're not some alien creature that showed up here. We are literally part of the very blood, bone, sinew of this living earth. Therefore, we carry a certain kind of wisdom within us, even if it's deeply beat down and not uh, nourished so that it doesn't function healthfully. But it's like in any healing modality, when you get into a healing process, part of what you have to do first is to really take stock of what got you to that disease point. And in interacting with what brought you to a disease point, you start to see pathways of how you can create differently so that you can A, heal and restore yourself, and also not return to that disease state in the future because you're shifting fundamental patterns in yourself. So much like it is for a human being, when you get ill, I walk that path with breast cancer. When you step on the other side of that, there is a whole new opportunity to repattern. So just as what you're talking about, and, and I love so much that we're in a place-based conversation because that is the true essence of regeneration. Regeneration is place sourced. It starts as a developmental journey for an individual, a human being in relationship to themselves. And then it carries into their relationship, their interconnection to everything else around them. And the complexity of that can be overwhelming. But at the same time, it's what we've been seeing our whole lives. We've just maybe not seen it genuinely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because we're an intricate part of nature as well. And in whichever way we look at it, if we look at it at a cellular level, each of our bodies is an ecosystem in itself. And then if we look at us as one element in the system that we're a part of in the larger bioregion or the global systems, uh, natural systems, we are playing a role in it. And um, that that's and you, that's, I think, you know, coming back to this idea of, of he, searching for healing, searching for meaning is uh, also this. You ultimately come back to nature because nothing as healing as like just being able to see birds, um, having the time of their lives um, in the wild, not in a cage. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> right. touching the soil, there is such a difference in, in touching soil that's teeming with life and and soil that's dead there's there is a physical tangible difference um that each of us can feel and that i believe is our connection with the earth that is coming through because when you know it's almost like um it's like some circuit is lighting up when that happens and it mm -hmm. goes back to our deep wiring and um we can you know in this in this one of the things that in this regeneration journey is really important is also to like look at your your intuitive self and see what does your intuition actually lead you to because we can sit and dissect and study the seabed and like um you know document and research and cite and but it it's not going to bring the depth of knowledge we already possess as mm. that were birthed on this planet as part of the natural cycle and I think that realization simplifies things so I often it's also like <laughs> if you want a better life if you want an easier life um, if you want a life where you don't have to fear everything we have to take a regenerative path 
um, not just as an individual, but as a community. I you you spark in me the phrase indigenous ways of knowing when you said what you just said in terms of uh, we don't have to run a thousand scientific researches and models and experiments in order to come to the understanding that putting pollutants into a native ecosystem uh, will do damage. It doesn't belong there. It's not native to that place. So if you come back to in, you know, the indigenous, we're all indigenous to earth. So therefore we all have the capacity to tap in, as you were saying, into that intuitive aspect of ourselves. I mean, we're, we're, that aspect is so beat up, right? I mean, it's a feminine, it's associated with the feminine. The feminine is always a denigrated aspect of the human family, which is a travesty of epic proportions. If people ever ask me, Selene, what do you think is the most important ground revolutionizing change that could happen on the planet? And I'm like, that women and men have equal standing that women are listened to as much as men are listened to, that women have a voice and a seat at the table in how we are stewarding our shared reality. And until that day comes, I fear we will miss the moment. It's like this moment that we're inside of collectively on this planet is also the result of thousands of years of patriarchy, of one perspective having dominance over another and denigrating that other perspective. I mean, you know, yes, we're one species, but women and men, we are different. We know the brains are wired differently. We know there's a lot of fundamental, unique aspects, but that's that's the gift. If we could receive that gift, if we could receive the genius of the feminine and the genius of the masculine and the harmony in those within ourselves as humans, and then in relationship to each other and our different gender identifications. Wow, what a tremendous untapped resource that we could bring to this moment in the human story. Yeah, and for for the people, a lot of times when I speak about, you know, I'm, I'm sure you experience this as well, when we speak about bringing women, I mean, sort of into the conversation or uplifting the feminine, there's always some uh, threatened male voices uh, saying, you know, opposing that. And I always think that it, the response- We're saying they're here, they're there, <laughs> they're, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's enough. But <laughs> <laughs> right. um, But it also, you know, I've personally observed this as well, that Whenever there's a balance, and and not like token women just sitting in a few chairs, but there's a balanced perspective and there's a balance of feminine and the masculine in the representation of any sort of uh, whatever the discussion or the the company or the community. There's also I I feel like it's easier on the men as well because it's such a relief to be just uh, be vulnerable, and I think that's what femininity. And there's masculine and feminine in every living being in, in the spiritual sense. And it's always a balance. Um, and what the feminine brings to the table is vulnerability to be comfortable with not having control over everything. And, and in the larger scheme of things, when this balance is achieved, I think it's a relief for everyone um, at that particular table to not have because we can't we can't control things we can try and control things which is what you know systems and a lot of systems in the world are doing which is trying to control things by just destroying it like oh okay this uh you know whatever the waves can be scary let's just build a wall so the waves but at some point the wave is more powerful and it will come in and when it comes in it's going to be far more disastrous if you've built um, a badly thought out wall just to just for the reason of control and fear but with and we all often see this in organizations where there is a balance of, uh, of masculine and feminine that solutions even are really more intuitive are more responding to the problem at hand and also of like accepting certain things uh, whether it's comfort whether it's abundance like how do we even receive abundance 
uh, without having to control it? How do we receive it mm. today and leave it up to the universe whether we receive it tomorrow? It's only when we want to control the amount of abundance we get today, tomorrow, and for <laughs> all days till the end of time, then we need to like start building forts and and walls and safes and uh, keep secrets from each other mm. and you know uh, guard it with guns and bombs. But the the idea of abundance is that it just flows in and out as you need it. And a lot to do with that is the feminine as well, because that allows, and regardless of your gender, embracing the feminine is a very important part of, of living in a more, um, I would even say in a le- on, a, on a less stressful way, because you don't have to control anything. <laughs> a little bit of the burden is off. You're listening to Regenerative Rising, Elevating Stories, Activating Change podcast. I'm Celine Diaris, and with me today is Nisha Mary Pelos. Uh, we are exploring uh, sort of the deeper context of what fosters transformation. I would say some of what I think we're talking to is really what are transformative opportunities that our, our shared reality at this moment in time on planet earth are opening up to us collectively. I think discomfort is a powerful activator and there's a lot of discomfort on in people wherever they are, be it political uncertainty, uh, economic uncertainty, food scarcity, uh, impact from climate where things are no longer following patterns that that we've relied on for literally thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years for for humanity to kind of come out of the trees and come into what we have manifested at this point, which is almost, you know, we've snubbed the trees. We've uh, snubbed all of the gifts that made the life that we've enjoyed, the the opportunity to evolve possible for us. Now we've become uh, full of ourselves. There's a lot of hubris in how we operate and behave. And so, you know, a big dose of humility is also being served up because we're collectively in a moment that will either lead to our shared demise or we're going to figure out a way to really meet this moment from this place you and I are speaking to, a place where we're in a relational context, which again is a more feminine way versus a competitive frame, a more cooperative frame. How do we work with versus against? I mean, that's why I say it's literally like just stepping one step over from the current paradigm into this other way of seeing and thinking and perceiving which is in an inclusive framework, a diversity framework, a welcoming framework, a saying yes versus no, a welcoming framework where we are concerned with the well-being of what is around us, be it soil, mineral, plant, animal, person, that these things take up some space in our consciousness and in our level of care. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I uh, recently, seven a few days ago, I came across a very old encyclopedia, as in it's when it was from nine, it first copyrighted in 1985. And I was just like flipping through it, and it was about animals, the animal world. And I was thinking most of this information, uh, is, is still where we are at today. I don't think we've whatever was written, it was like a child's encyclopedia, so like little things written in such simple ways. And I was thinking, oh, my God, we already knew this. And I'm sure even before that, for a long time, even by Western um, science uh, standards, this information has been known. But then we're not willing to act on it or accept it. And this is sort of things like, you know, like the World Book or uh, I forget the other one, the Encyclopedia Britannica, which we all used to refer as child this had all this information already and it was really interesting that a lot of children read this growing up uh believed this growing up and then somewhere along their path to adulthood just 
started disregarding this information, which they already knew, um, which is basically the purpose and the interconnectivity of all living things and how nothing is just a useless um, being meant to be killed and destroyed. Uh, and there was always this balanced understanding. And then, of course, if you look back to the indigenous perspective, which is thousands of years old and very place-based, um, specific knowledge that is very intuitively understanding the earth, its wisdom and its medicine and food, and how all of this is so place-based. I think that's the big difference um, that the indigenous uh, ideas are. It's very place-based and people are openly accepting of the fact that their knowledge is limited to their place. And then they go to another place, it's another knowledge and you don't right. take the supply there. And that's how nature works as well. Um, so it's, I was really just wondering, you know, like how, how are we at this place where we know things and we still don't want to <laughs> pay attention to it? And, and then we want to do things which we know are harmful to us and the planet. Like there's, there's so much, it's at this point, it's pretty clear that if something is harmful for us and most of the things we're doing today, including the food we eat, uh, the medicines we consume, the air we breathe, the way we travel, our sedentary lifestyles, all of it is harmful for us. So it's equally harmful for the entire planet. Yeah. And, very few people will argue with this that a sedentary lifestyle is but they'll still have that <laughs> yeah. lifestyle and they'll still eat that yeah. donut and they'll I think this is a very this is I think the crux of the matter because really what we're talking about is how do you generate the will to actually change yeah because it does coming back to all of this it has to start with me it has to start with you if I can't take it on myself, if I can't change my pattern and start getting up in the morning and doing my stretching and exercising, because if I know that my stretching and exercising is good for me and I just think about it, but I don't do it, it's nothing. Yeah. So, you know, if I am in any way, I think we can bring it back to the individual and it's hard for an individual to change patterns and behaviors. Therefore, when you talk about in mass and collective, woo, this is a mammoth thing we're talking about. It is not, it's simple to say, it is utterly not simple to get moving in the world. So I think there's a lot of compassion in this process that we have to absolutely bring forward in saying, we acknowledge that this is difficult. What we're talking about is difficult. Yes, it's a step, but that step is a giant leap. And that giant leap is requiring a level of self-care, self-discipline, and a level of, I'm going to use the word investment, like to invest in my best self, to be healthy in my heart and my mind and my body and my spirit. That is a total holistic investment and it requires my attention and my effort and my devotion every single day. It's not like I can do it one day and go, oh, got that off the list. Oh, nope, got to do it again today. And I got to do it again today. And I got to do it again today. And it's what happens, though, is when you start doing something good for yourself, it has this reward built into it because, oh, I feel better. I have more energy. My body feels better. The tension's leaving. I'm going to do that again. And then it just, it has a way of rewarding us. When we start to do things that do take care of us, you reduce sugar, you feel better, you reduce um, overconsumption of whatever it is, you will feel better. It's, it's beautiful that we're designed for a harmonious homostasis state that life wants to be whole life wants to be well life is powerful we have the greatest ally in the universe life as our co-creator as our ally in moving to new patterns of behavior new states of being but it does require will it requires the impetus to take that first step and follow it with another step. 
Yeah, and I, I would also just add faith. Um, and we are leaving faith mm. in the as opposed to faith in the unknown. And there's this interesting thing happening in the world today that people would rather put faith in things that are kind of unknown and relatively new as opposed to faith in things that have worked for thousands of years, even if they know it. And um, I mean, can you give an example of that? I mean, the same, the, the way in which like um, food, for example, right? I mean, wherever in the world you are from, uh, wherever in the world you're living, we do have an idea of like what makes us feel better when we eat it. Um, we have some some connection to our ancestry, whether it's just stories from your grandmother or um, stories from uh, books you've read or whatever from your region. Or fine, if it's not your ancestry, the ancestry of the people who are living in that place. So you do know what is the food that is good for you and what is the food. And if you, and even if you may not know the specifics, it just takes a little bit of exploration to find out local food and how, how it nourishes you, um, as opposed to packaged, overprocessed food. Uh, but it still feels like it's a hard choice to make, um, not just uh, in terms of uh, what you're used to and what you're being lazy about, but it feels like this information coming in from um partially known, relatively new sources seem to be, okay, you know, oh, this new superfood is the best thing. And then everybody gets on, on that train and just <laughs> forgets about everything else. But we all know that a balanced diet is what we need. I mean, this is something everybody knows by default that you need a balanced diet. And a balanced diet definitely means not eating overprocessed chemical filled food. But we still have a hard time taking that advice that we already that we are giving ourselves i mean every that intuitive and ancestral understanding of what is good for us seems to be that it's harder to put faith in that knowledge than mm. in research or science or some new advertisement that is uh, projecting something which we kind of have an intuitive realization is possibly unhealthy but it seems to be harder to to choose this rather than the newer thing and I I'm, I'm I've been uh sort of I don't have an answer to it but I keep wondering what what is it that as mm -hmm. human beings this is not specific to any region or community it just is how at least these these generations that are currently alive today this is how we seem to be um understanding information and uh leading our own lives well I I would posit that we mentioned it a little while ago, patriarchy is a top-down structure. So you don't trust yourself as much as you're taught to trust something outside of yourself as knowing what's good for you in a hierarchical uh, set of, um, you know, where the power is, who has the knowledge, who doesn't have the knowledge. It, we're all pretty much programmed from a very early part of our lives to not listen to ourselves as much as we are taught to listen to someone with greater authority. So being a self-authorizing, to have authority and agency of self is often seen in a denigrated way. It's not encouraged. It's often, especially if you're a woman, oh, good luck. You know, there, there are, I've read an article very recently that was like a woman who asserts herself is immediately put in a category of like, stay away from her. A woman who stays in a more traditionally behaving role of being more demure, uh, she'll be welcomed at the table. But if she starts to assert, good luck, you're, you're gonna go get moved quickly into that, that's unacceptable. So it's a very, it's a very long standing um, pattern that we all are indoctrinated into. And it has so much as, at its root that we don't trust our own self-knowing, that we give the power to the doctor, we give the power to the husband, we give the power to the brother, we give the power to the other and not to ourselves. And this, this is true, um, for so long that we we it's we can't even see it that's that's very true and that's why we are 
unable to unable to rely on local sources of information because somebody who does not who has never seen this place or never met you has or never even understood this context has decided what is right and what is wrong and um, everyone just jumps on board because it's easier to just at least the way and I think that's also a degeneration of our own mindset and our own capacity because it's we've become a, a a population that just wants to follow some orders um just tell us what to do you know do I just like use renewable energy or do I just like just tell me what to do and I'll, I don't want to think beyond it don't tell me something else tomorrow <laughs> so it's, it's very like is you know it's very interesting how we become there and I think Part of the regeneration process is also that to break out of that, to understand the local context, to to step in to, and I'd, I'd like to call this sort of re-indigenize ourselves in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, either to where we're living or to our own ancestral indigeneity. Either way, how do we re- the whole planet? You know, yeah. like literally recognize we're Earthlings. Yeah. And that's not some sort of sci-fi terminology. It's like something very fundamental. Um, yeah. 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 And it's and how do and what is that? I mean, I, and I think that's interesting because I think that's the next sort of chapter of regenerating as well. Um, that this is how, because the question then is how do we re-indigenize or how do we really connect with the earth? And um, when and there's a lot of uh, We've all been talking a lot about this. There is certainly a community in the world that has been actively talking about this um, for a while now. And um, in some ways could be perceived as a bubble, but the bubble is expanding. But when people are are coming into this space, the question then is like, okay, tell me how? Because we're looking at, you know, basically we've been now trained to just follow orders um and, and and not question things but now we are coming into space now yeah i'm telling you questioning like if something is good why is it good or or explore is it really good like is it good for everything is is it is it linking with everything in a positive way um and like that to me is like how do we create and that's essentially how the brain works the brain is such a powerful um organ an organism itself where it can mm-hmm. really look at, you know, it has its own way. And it's, it's one of, it's the organ that even the biggest scientists have not fully figured out yet. But it, oh, it, no. <laughs> it can connect the dots and that's our natural state of being. So then why are we not able to, why are we limiting our capacity to be such linear thinkers and just be like, okay, I will just like take this uh, whatever mineral and use it for this and not care about any of the other effects of like extracting that. But everybody has the capacity to look at that and see, okay, it's it's affecting this in this way. It's affecting wildlife in this way. It's affecting local population in this way. And it is possible for everything to be positive. It's just that that's not how things are designed in mainstream today. So when there's a problem statement that's created to, to design something, a system, the problem statement, and it's, you know, I mean, the 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 things that you need to solve does not is not a holistic statement. Right. To start. No, it's mostly extractive. Yes. You know, I think yeah. you know, I, I was thinking to something you asked in the mo- earlier, like, why is this this way? And I'm like, well, this is about a balance of power, a shifting of power. Power has been held by the few over the many for so, I mean, generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. I mean, it's a very long, long line of perpetuation. So, you know, we're talking about literally liberation, freedom from a way of perceiving first oneself as having agency, as having authority to make choices that are considered differently than like you're saying, you know, we're not automatons. We are powerful creatures, each and every one of us. We simply have lost a certain kind of understanding around what that actually opens up because it doesn't mean you become another marauding invader and you just become a selfish ass 
and do whatever you want. That's not what this conversation is in service to, and nor is that what the world is needing at this moment. What it needs are people who take on their own development to become a more caring, conscious presence in the best of who they are capable of being and bringing their gifts, because we all have gifts. And it's like, that's by, you know, the gift of being alive is profound. So, you know, when I think about young people and old people and all people, and I think about, you know, I'm always curious, what makes you tick? Like, what really is your inspiration in your heart of hearts? If you could say without feeling embarrassed or uncomfortable, what would just make your so you so joyful to be able to express, to manifest in your life? What would that be? And I think we start to find clues to who we each are by what our answer is to that question. And we have to pose that question to ourselves without fear of recrimination, without fear of being shamed because we actually want to step out of the treadmill to get out of the cycle that has been perpetuated by our ancestors and our grandparents and our parents and ourselves. And we want to actually do something innovatively unique and show up and pay attention to what is needed in service to something more than just one's own existence. It has to have an inclusivity at its heart in order to be regenerative because a tree recognizes its connection to the entirety. I mean, we have enough knowledge now about the relationship of trees to each other, their ability to communicate, how they feed their offspring. You know, yes, there's some competition under the soil. This is not, you know, like a Pollyanna's dream that we think everything is always in perfect harmony. No, but it also isn't, a tree isn't pulling out a AK-47 and gunning down the trees around it to have all the light. (laughs) It's just, we, we are the only species that yeah. destroys the way that we do. Yeah. And then it's it's also an important lesson in sort of looking at things with balance because, you know, it's so, it's so extreme right now. And there's one part of the world that is just like thinking that the only way to safeguard this way of life, and I put that within quotes, this way of life, um, big, is to continue extracting and extracting and extracting. Right. Um, and in that extraction I mean, unfortunately, this extraction is, I would think if you want to extract certain minerals um, with all of the science and technology in the world today, I'm sure there's a way of extracting without killing everything and enslaving people and like uh, polluting everything. I, If we were to put our heads together, even if we want to extract minerals, or there could be a way where it's not causing complete destruction and disruption. But it's Absolutely. just okay, um, that... Because you, you want it, the easiest way is to just like level everything out. like Blow yeah. off the top of a mountain and get to the coal. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what? No, you're right. I mean, it would just require um, a whole new set of approaches. Yeah. You know, again, coming back to regeneration, you know, it is about creating a much more fundamentally collaborative, holistic approach. So when you talk about minerals, I mean, I immediately think of countries in Africa and, you know, children digging stuff out of the mud. And if if that whole setup was about creating shared well-being, that everyone in that ecosystem is rewarded in a much more fair way then the people at the very top don't get to be paid gazillions of dollars and the people at the bottom don't get to be paid a penance. There's has to be an equalization of something that is so much more respectful so that the gap between is much less because we don't, you know, no individual, sorry, all you people out there with your, you know, piles of money. It's, it's not needed. And in fact, We've talked about this earlier. Meaning does not come from that kind of accumulation. You know, you can accumulate every known thing and still feel deeply empty 
because this it's an interior dance. It has to do with being in a developmental relationship to your own spirit, soul, mind, body, beingness. And that is ultimately all of our individual sources of our greatest source of joy. It can just be beholding a sunrise and being moved to tears at the beauty. Yeah. That is meaning. Yeah, that is that is a simple, basic, stress-free form of meaning where you find meaning wherever you are. You uh, must. And, and, he, and he, you know, to, to your point of like, if we were to make sure every being, not just humans, but everything is given some form of a share, which is just. Um, then we would also be careful about extracting. It's only because we only need to pay. It's only because only the top 0.05% needs to be paid everything that the entire, uh, the thousands, if not millions of people and zillions of other beings that are, uh, 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 whose lives don't matter in this process. Right. It's only because of that, this accumulation is even possible. And That's right. uh, it's, it's and and I often think like okay you want to extract something there is also a way of like can we can we do it in a way that you take some and then you give the same back in the same holistic way like if you look at disused minds nobody cares about it, it, the same creative forces that came up with a way of extracting uh, oil from deep within the earth can certainly come up with a way of like feeding new life and protecting that land for the next. And this is again, coming back to sort of indigenous principles of like, you're looking at indigenous agroforestry systems where they went into a forest and then did, they did cut down trees and clear a patch uh, and, and grow food. It, it's not that they, they did not do that, but they did Absolutely. that. But they, when, when they got something out of it, when they felt that the land was suffering, they stepped away from that, went to another place and allowed and facilitated the healing of this land. That they, and that is really the difference. Um, and this is often my answer to people who ask me, okay, so how do we live? You know, you're saying like, <laughs> don't drive cars. Uh, then how are we supposed to just like go on a, a bullock cart? And it's <laughs> <laughs> It's flabbergasting when this, and this is such a, oh, I face this question very often because the of minute is trying to tell people, hey, let's let's live with this duty of care. I love that phrase, our duty of care. It's often um, met with like, oh, so you want us to just live in caves? And the answer is <laughs> no, we can progress. We can have the comfort. We can have the safety um, we could probably have more care and comfort yeah. if we were more collective in how we co-imagined it. I think so much of what is really at the another layer of this is the loss of imagination. Yeah. You know, our capacity to imagine a future positive is almost gone. You ask people about the future and it's a dystopic. You know, people have visions of horrific things of wars, of pestilence, of all sorts of terrible things. But to ask them to think of something beautiful and affirming and, and cooperative and, and uh, you know, inspiring about a future, that I find is a much harder, uh, mm. you know, it's an unused muscle in the human collective. And that is something that I know you and I both know as part of our life work is to help inspire this kind of uh, attitude of gratitude, an attitude of potential, an attitude of co-creation, an attitude of optimism, because yeah. we have phenomenal capabilities. And when we trust in the genius of our neighbor, when we're willing to witness that you have something that is beneficial. I have something that's beneficial. And when we come together, that expands exponentially. And that is really what I see is the opportunity facing humanity at this moment in our shared story is will we awaken to value the dignity and genius of all life around us and that it has something to contribute and when we aren't so self-centered 
and so lost in the old patterns of hierarchy. And instead, we're looking at things from a collective perspective of interrelational perspective, that suddenly the potential, the possibilities that awake are phenomenal and they're exciting. And it sees us having a chance to seed literally the universe in a very different way as a species that has come to recognize the preciousness of home, to care for home as the most precious part of being so that we have something to take out into a larger context. And we would be a value add versus right now, if we go out into the world and into the stars as we are right now, oh gosh, what a nightmare. What a nightmare that will be. We have a lot to do here before we really would be well served in going anywhere else. We have to figure out how we're going to co-create a shared reality that is of benefit. As you said, our duty of care to each other and to all life. And that's a beautiful invitation from my perspective. Yeah, me too. I just, yeah, I think even the idea of imagining the the future we we want as beings of this planet, not beings who are planning our exit from this planet, <laughs> as, as beings who are who are who evolved. I mean, what a miracle. What an unimaginable thing, actually, that that we evolved to be what we are. Um, and instead of like holding that, upholding that and 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 revering that and considering it sacred, we're just like literally killing the same system that allowed for our evolution. And the solution is is not bunkers and and rockets and ships to take us it's right under our feet i mean that's the beauty it's right under our feet absolutely yeah i am so grateful that we sat together today and had this conversation nisha yeah me too um it's always so um so meaningful (laughs) when i have these conversations with you it's uh so fulfilling as well and i'm excited that it got recorded for a change this time so thank <laughs> you for making this happen as well oh well thank you and thank you for joining the advisory board of regenerative rising and i have no doubt our paths are entwined and we will find many ways to keep lifting each other up and supporting each other in what we're bringing to this beautiful world because um, you're my sister and I love you dearly and I'm so thankful. Yeah, me too. I mean, I can't, uh, I think the, the 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 role or the title aside, I, um, I'm in spirit really always a part of Richard of Rising and I really am excited for this new chapter of the new things that are coming. And um, I really have a lot of faith that whatever is evolving as an organization and in our individual roles and our and the part and the times that our paths cross are all for the greater good of the mission that we um sort of our our missions are so aligned, whether it's as an organization or as individuals. Um yes. and through Regenerative Rising, I think one thing that I experienced the most was the was the power of sisterhood and the power of uh, having women allies, uh, and I'm 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 grateful and I'm excited as well for the things that we will do together one way or another. Absolutely. Well, you've been listening to uh, Regenerative Rising's podcast, Elevating Stories, Activating Change. Nisha Mary Pelos has been our guest. I have been our uh, steward of the conversation, Celine Diaris, and. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to, I I think we should do this again. (laughs) And um, blessings to you as you step forward onto this, this new path and uh, look out Goa. They have a a, a goddess coming in with incredible insight. I know that you will do phenomenal good um, and help people develop this way of seeing and having the joyful experience of their duty of care. Thank you, Celine. And uh, thank you for facilitating this conversation. I'm really 
looking forward to, I would love to have more conversations. I look forward to that. And uh, to sort of, I guess, I guess I'm really looking forward to the collective community that we're a part of to reimagine or reimage <laughs> the world that we do want um, and not, not manifest the world we fear. Ah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for making this happen. My pleasure.